I uh, remember it. It was it was a, a, a summer of youth ministry. We had a service project planned. We had taken the van, all loaded in with 10, 11, 12 teenagers to go somewhere. And as we were going somewhere to do a service project, uh, kids started getting text messages, which was kind of a new thing. But some of the kids had siblings that worked up here at Wild West World. I don't know if any of you remember Wild West World. It, it wasn't around here very long. <laughs> uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of hubbub had been made of this theme park just north of Wichita. A lot of money had been put into this theme park. Uh, a lot of uh, investors, a lot of uh, rides and, and things. This was a big deal. And uh, it busted in, in maybe less than two months. And as we were driving along, the kids were receiving text messages. Their siblings who worked there were saying, well, I don't work here anymore. And I, I happen to have a cousin who was working up there. He was directing the theater program up there. At, uh, and um, I called him and he said, yeah, we've just been all given notice that they are filing for bankruptcy. And as uh, we heard that news, I was thinking as I was driving, and I was thinking, what is it that causes an organization to fold so quickly. What happened there? And uh, the more I thought about it, I, I think it came down to one word, and that was leadership. Uh, the, 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 the man directing the, the, the plans and getting the money and all of that, he, he lacked some things. And because of his poor leadership, it all fell apart. If you extrapolate that idea... I think that's true for just about every organization under the sun. If you have a, a, a company that folds, a, a school that the, the, the teachers are resigning and a principal leaves, and what's happening? It's, it's leadership. It can happen in the family. When families fall apart, what happened? Poor leadership. It can happen in churches. If you've ever come across one of those times where you go, what in the world happened there? My guess is, at some point or another, whether it was one leader or many, that the answer is leadership. And that's why what we're talking about today is so fundamentally important. Because we want to make sure, certainly within the church, I mean, human organizations come and go, we understand that. But leadership in the church, well, that's something where souls are on the line. we got to get this right. We want to do it correctly. And so this series is an important series because leaders make or break a church. Uh, this is a, a teaching series because it calls us back to the Word. What God says on how to lead a church. And so we're going to be opening our Bible, and hopefully you're opening your hearts and your minds as well, as we think about the importance and what the Bible has to say about church leadership. Northside currently has seven shepherds, and, and uh, uh, 
six of them, I believe, are here this morning. Gentlemen, I'm going to ask you to stand here in just a minute. The, the shepherds currently that Northside has are Jim Andrews, Brent Clothier, Craig Greenwood, Brent Groves, Brian Middleton, Doug Wagner, and James Wilson. If you seven gentlemen, I'm sorry, you, the six of the seven gentlemen I named, if you'd please stand. And so these are our elders who lead us and guide us and pray for you and think of you and help and be and function as the leading element of this church at Northside. Whatever happens here happens at some point because of these seven men. You all can sit. A special recognition, though he told me not to, but as many of you know, Jim and Frida are heading north to greener pastures. Well, more precisely, heading north to grandchildren. Uh, and they are moving to uh, this coming week. Uh, this will be their last Sunday with us. Uh, and I'm, they're gonna, Jim's not happy with me right now, but I'm, I'm going to make him even unhappier. I'm going to ask Jim and Frida to stand. And let's give them our appreciation. We appreciate you and, and, and the both of you and the, the time and effort and energy and sacrifice that you've made in being a shepherd here at Northside. And we appreciate all of our shepherds who do that willingly as volunteers. We appreciate all of those who have served as shepherds over one point or another in Northside's history. Northside's 84 years old this year. And in that time, if I, if I counted correctly, we've had 28 men to serve as shepherds of this congregation. Now, sometimes that congregation was 21st and Jackson. Some, some point it was here. But at some point or another, this congregation has always been led by a group of spiritual men, biblically qualified and appointed to lead. And so where Northside is today is due in large part because of the shepherds that we have, both today and in the days of the past. The reason that we're a prayerful, unified, loving, serving, thoughtful, caring congregation, again, with any organization, where does it start? At the top. The reason who we are as a congregation has everything to do with the men that lead us. And so, the next time you see a shepherd... I hope you tell them thank you, because they spend a lot of time that you know nothing about. Uh, they do it willingly. They serve in ways that are largely unseen, and they make this congregation who it is. And so whether you're a new Christian or a longtime Christian, you need to know that leadership really does matter. It makes a big difference in who we are and in who the church is called to be. Now, if you're a long-time Church of Christ, if you've heard these sermons before, you know as soon as you start talking about elders and shepherds, oh yeah, they're bringing on new ones. And you ever sat there and you thought, does this really matter? I mean, what's the big deal? Yeah, we know we got to do it, and we, gotta, we, need, we need men to lead and all that, but what's the importance of it? More, important, more specifically, does it matter how a church is organized? I mean, if you, if you were to go in the yellow pages, again, old technology, I don't know if you may go in Google and just search up Wichita churches and just call down a list of them and ask them, what's your structure? How are you organized? Who are your leaders? You know, you'd found just about as many answers as you would churches. 
There's, there's some churches that are led by just one guy. One guy is in charge of all the churches all over the world. That's one style of church leadership. Uh, some churches have an organization. They have a group. They have a, a, some headquarters somewhere, some denominational board. And that one group leads all the churches. So instead of one guy, it's one group, but they are still in charge for all of them. Some churches have the kind of the, the pastor-led model. Okay? A guy like me would be the senior pastor. Okay? Uh, effectively, he's the guy in charge. Well, if you think about that, hey, have you just ever asked, is that what God wants? Is that how God designed it to be? In, in my view... Man-made systems lead to man-made problems. If you paid attention to the news, if you ever have you seen any problems within churches and church organizations? You seen any dysfunction? You seen any toxicity? You, see, you ever step back and say, is, is, "Is this something wrong with how they started? Was there something that they missed?" I think there's a better way. I think there's a biblical way. I think it's God's way. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Because God's way is that he called for a group of men called elders. Now we're going to use some terms interchangeably. I'll explain that more in the next lesson. But elders, shepherds, pastors are all interchangeable. Okay? They refer to the men who meet the qualifications that we find within Scripture. And the elders are a group of men, and they are biblically qualified to lead the local church. A group of men, biblically qualified, who lead the local church. say, well, is that really a big deal? Well, it's God's way, so maybe we should pay attention to it. Now, Peter, the Apostle Peter, he himself was an elder. And in 1 Peter chapter 5... This is page 1,298, if you don't know where 1 Peter is. 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 1. He says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder, a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Okay? So Peter was an elder. That tells you some, some things about him. He was a, a married man and so forth. Uh, he goes on to say, as, a, as, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed... Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, one of the things that elders do, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Okay, if we, if we unpack this a little bit, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3, we look at a couple of things. Number one, he exhorts the elders. Uh, what we see here is there's a plurality. It's not an elder, it's, an el- it's elders. Okay? That's important. That, that Elders are to be a team. They're not to be a, a single person in charge. Uh, Northside doesn't have a chief elder. Okay, uh, there's not room for lone rangers on an elder. If you're if you're a lone ranger and you just do things on your own and you work without the team, you're going to have trouble as an elder because elders should work together. 
Secondly, he says, shepherd the flock of God. Now, this is an important, and, and uh, the term shepherd is used so often throughout scriptures. And it refers not just to the role of a person who tends to the sheep, but also refers to the spiritual leader of the people of God. This was in the Old Testament as well as in the New. In fact, just yesterday I was reading a passage from Jeremiah in the the daily Bible planning I'm using in Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah is warning the people of Judah about the destruction that is to come. And tucked right into chapter 10, he writes these words in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 7 and following. Who would not fear you, O king of the nations? For this is your due. For among you are all the wise ones of the nations, and in all their kingdoms there is none like you. I'm sorry, I I went to the wrong verse. But we're in the right chapter. (laughs) Uh, Verse 20 of Jeremiah chapter 10. Verse 20 of Jeremiah 10. My tent is destroyed. All my cords are broken. My children have gone from me, and they are not... There is no one to spread my tent again and to set up my curtains. He's talking here in the context of the judgment that's about to happen from the Babylonian, the the wrath that they're going to partake, and the, the suffering that will happen to God's people. And this is what he says in verse 21. This is from the ESV. For the shepherds are stupid and do not inquire of the Lord. They have not prospered and all their flock is scattered. God's word tells us uh, this is of the Israelite people, but the reason that they suffered came down to poor leadership. So shepherds are the leaders of God's people. They are to shepherd the flock of God. They exercise oversight. Okay, they're in charge. They're not to be domineering. Some some guys you give them a little power and they get a little dictatorial. And scriptures say elders aren't to be that way. They're not to be domineering. Okay? Uh, they are to be done from a love for God's people, being examples to the flock, he says. And finally, he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And this reminds us that elders lead the local congregation. Northside's elders have nothing to do with the leadership of any other church of Christ in town. I got a message from somebody the other day, and they said, the following church in town is doing thus and so. Do you know anything about that? And, and do we have anything to do with that? And I said, no, nope, that's, that's their own deal. That's what that church has decided to do. We see this biblically. We know there were elders at the Jerusalem church. We know that there were elders at the Ephesian church. Um, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul starts out that letter by saying this. He says, in uh, Philippians 1.1, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. So we know they were part of the local congregation and part of the leadership of that congregation. So, Northside elders lead Northside, and I think all of them would tell you that's plenty. (laughs) They have no desire to... Make decisions for any other churches. So, why does it matter? Well, number one, God's way is always best. This is just a principle of how to do it. In the church, God has 
appointed elders, shepherds to lead, to be the leaders of the local congregation. Uh, Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, page 1,253. And Paul writes, speaking about the unity of the church, and, and within the unity of the church, he says, but as one body, there's, there's some different roles within the family. Verse 11 of Ephesians 4. And he, this is God, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers... Okay, what do these guys do? What do all these different roles do? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, number one, for building up the body of Christ, to attain unity of the faith and of the knowledge of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There are all these different roles, apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and t-shirts, and their job primarily is to equip the saints for ministry and to mature them and grow them in Christ. We understand that God's way is always best. I was trying to think of a way to illustrate this, so let me use the family as an example. A family functions best when the people in it do what God has called them to do. Uh, When you look at Ephesians chapter 5, and Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 21 of Ephesians 5, and moving down to Ephesians 6, you will read about the roles that God has given and appointed within the family. He says, a husband, a husband's to love his wife and to give himself up for her. That's the husband's role, that's his job. Number two, it's the wife's job to respect her husband and to submit to his spiritual leadership and headship. Uh, it's not popular in today's world, but that's God's way. And if we, if we come with the understanding that God's way is always best, if you have a husband who loves his wife and giving himself up for her, and a wife who's respecting her husband and yielding and submitting to his spiritual headship, a marriage works really good. But only if those two people are willing to do the role that God has called them to do. Children are to obey their parents and honor their authority. Okay? Now this is God's way. This is, this is what he established. Everyone has a role. Everyone has a responsibility. And when everyone plays their role and everyone fulfills their responsibility and not trying to manage someone else's responsibility, the family functions best. Now, we mess that up. We think we have better ideas. We get selfish and sinful and we think about us instead of what God has called us to do. And it causes all sorts of dysfunction, heartache, and heartbreak, and stress, and drama, because we don't do it God's way. Now consider, follow this example, that the church is a spiritual family. And and I think so many people miss out on what church could be and can be because they misunderstand the, under, the idea that church is designed to be a family. Now, there's no perfect church out there. And if you thought Northside was one, yeah, I got bad news for you. And, and within a church, you're going to have imperfect people, people who sin and mess up, people who offend one another, people who hurt one another, just like you do in a real family. Now, 
Now, when you're real family, when your husband, your wife, when they offend you, when they say something unkind or they're harsh or they're mean or they're cruel, does God want you to say, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm it. That's it. You hurt me. I'm done. No. That's not what God wants at all. In a family, people are going to have rubs. There's going to be friction. That's the nature when you put sinful human beings together. But families stick it out. They work through the hard things together. That's what God desires. As he does with the physical family, he also does with the spiritual family. Now within the spiritual family, just like within the physical family, God has roles and responsibilities. He knows in his divine foreknowledge that when you get groups of people together, there's going to be challenges and problems and strife and sin and selfishness and all of that. And the beauty of it is he gives roles to people to work through those things. And I think one of the things that shepherds do is see the people through the hard times. They're peacemakers. They try to bring people together. They try to heal. They try to bring, they try to take people who are hurting and make peace. Now the first role is peace between us and God, but the second role is peace with one another. So godly shepherds are men who can lead and equip and mature and build up and unify and teach us. See, God's way is, is best. We have to believe that God's way is best or we won't do it God's way. Second reason is what we're driving at is because people are prone to problems. It was a great theologian, Stephen Tandy, who said church would be easy without people. And when he gave me that wisdom years ago, I held on to it and I found that it's true. But you want a church with people, there are going to be challenges and problems and we got to work through those things. You all just sang the song minutes ago, I am a sheep. It's a beautiful song, but it's not a very complimentary one. When you say, I am a sheep, that's not a complimentary statement. Think about it. Sheep do dumb things. Years ago, I preached that sheep are stupid, and somebody called me on that. They said, sheep are not dumb. Okay. There may be some sheep that are smart. But all sheep, regardless of their intellectual capacity, do dumb things at one point or another. Sheep are easy targets for predators. Sheep are easily swayed. Sheep are easily frightened. So the bottom line is that sheep need shepherds. Unled sheep are in the greatest amount of danger. Unshepherded sheep will not be around very long. Go to Matthew chapter 9. Turn there. I'm convinced you need to meditate on this. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. If you don't know where that is, page 1045. Jesus, Matthew records Jesus' reflection at a moment. Matthew writes this. When he saw the crowds, 
He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Because Jesus understood the hearts and the nature of sheep. He still loves the sheep, but he understands that sheep do dumb things and that there's sick sheep and struggling sheep and wandering sheep and new sheep and stubborn sheep and lost sheep. There's all kinds of sheep, but they all have this in common. They all need a shepherd. And Jesus pities the one who didn't, who don't. All of them need shepherds to keep them fed and led and focused on the Lord. So you see, God takes church leadership seriously. And we should too. Shepherds matter because healthy churches require godly leaders. Now there's no perfect shepherd. There's no perfect elders. It's like there's no perfect husband or perfect wife or perfect parent. But there are people who take seriously their role because they believe and fear the Lord. And they take that role very seriously. They don't take themselves seriously, but they take the role seriously. A church without leadership flounders because everyone has a say. If you ever part of a church or seen a church where there's no leadership, it's chaos. It wasn't part of the church history, but back in uh, the, the people of Israelites, Judges chapter 21, in the time before the kings, these words are written in Judges 21-25. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as he saw fit. And that's an indictment on the Lord's people of that time. God knows his sheep, and he knows principally his sheep need shepherds. Because all of us have hearts that are wicked and prone to sin. A church with poor leadership will wander. And they'll wander most often from truth, from the truth of God's word, into apostasy. Because there's no leaders to teach. There's no leaders to admonish. There's no leaders to train. There's no leaders to open what the Word says and says, let's yield to God. And so healthy churches require godly leaders. You know, 1 Corinthians talks about a lot of problems in the church at Corinth. But the biggest problem was whoever the elders were, they weren't doing what God had called them to do, or they didn't have the courage to do what God had called them to do. I want to go turn you back to Acts chapter 14 for a piece of scripture that just enlightened my eyes. Now, the context is Paul's first missionary journey. He's with Barnabas. They're making lots of disciples. And that's a good thing, but it also creates a problem. And the problem is this. You got all these new disciples. Who's going to lead them? Who's going to 
protect them? Who's going to mature them? Who's going to teach them? Who's going to nurture them? And the answer is elders. Acts 14, 23, if you're there, if you don't know where that is, page 1184. Here's what Luke writes. When they, Paul and Barnabas, had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. The answer was elders. In my view, every church ought to have elders. Now, there are some churches that can't because they just don't got enough people, they don't have enough qualified men, but every church that can should have elders for this express purpose. And we should take as seriously in appointing elders as Paul and Barnabas did. Look what they do. Prayer, fasting, and commitment to the Lord. And so that's what we will attempt to do. Now we're going to continue studying the qualifications. Uh, Here's a little bit about what's coming up. The, The Bible says a lot about the qualities of shepherds, but it doesn't give us a process. It doesn't give us a here's what to do, here's how to install them or appoint them. Here's what we do at Northside. Here's what works best in the congregation here. Uh, First, we study the Bible. We go at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 is primarily where we're going to be. So I want to encourage you to read those on your own over the next several weeks. Very short chapters. But more importantly than reading them, I want you to meditate on them. Number two, we submit names for consideration. At the end of the series, we'll have some sheets out, and we're going to ask you if you've prayerfully, thoughtfully considered the Scriptures and prayerfully, thoughtfully considered the congregation, what men you believe are biblically qualified to be a shepherd of this congregation. Um, Those names are taken by our eldership. They are prayerfully considered, um, and our elders work through Uh, thinking through where the congregation is, and they will talk to some of these men and see where they are, if they're ready for this role. Uh, Then at a certain time, our elders will present the names of the men to the congregation. Uh, They will say, we believe the following men are qualified and they're in the life stage where they're able to be shepherds and on and on. And then there will be a time for consideration because we want... We want these men to be held against Scripture. What does the Scripture say in terms of the qualities of these men? I had time for any scriptural objections. And then, after time has passed, we will appoint new shepherds, those men who have met all of the biblical qualifications. Most of you know that, certainly if you've been around Northside a long time. So let me give three things for everybody to do, and then we'll close. Number one, read your Bible. Um, and that should go without saying, as a Northsider, your shepherds have said they want you to read your Bible every day. We have a daily Bible reading plan. You don't have to use that plan, but you have to be in the Word. They want you to read the Word every day. So one of the things we're to do is submit to our elders. Scripture calls us to do that. Scripture calls us to submit and to obey our elders. We'll talk more about that. Um, but they want you in the Word. They don't just want you listening to Toby for 30 minutes and calling it good. They want you in in the Word and thinking about the men who meet the qualifications stated in Scripture. Number two, please pray for our shepherds. I hope you do that anyway, but especially during the time of consideration of new leadership. 
as we've talked about, leadership will make or break an organization. Now, in the Lord's Church, I believe the Lord's Church will survive. Uh, it's not all dependent upon us. But a, a congregation can be healthy and growing and abounding if it's got healthy, growing, and abounding leaders. A congregation can go toxic and dysfunctional if it has toxic and dysfunctional leaders. So we take it seriously, and we want you to pray for our current shepherds and for the Northside congregation. Paul and Barnabas fasted and prayed, so we could use that as an example. Um, And finally, pay attention. Uh, Pay attention to the scriptures. Uh, Pay attention to the men of the congregation. And prayerfully consider the men who are biblically qualified. Uh, one other thing that we're, we have, there's a box in the foyer. It's green, and it has the Seeking Shepherds logo on there. Uh, we're going to have a time for questions. We're going to do something a little bit different on Sunday night, starting next Sunday, August the 6th uh, and August the 13th. We're going to have uh, a couple of our elders to answer some of your questions. We answered questions last time we did series, and I thought it might be good to hear from the actual shepherds uh, their perspective on these things. So if you have questions about shepherds or elders, uh, questions for shepherds or elders, uh, take a moment, fill out that form. It looks like this. It's a blue form. Leave it in the box, and we'll sort through those and then answer those as a part of the Sunday night series. So make plans to attend uh, if you haven't been to Sunday night study in a while. The scripture says we have one perfect shepherd. There's only one, and it's Jesus Christ. And as we sang about earlier, we are the sheep, and he is our shepherd watching over our souls. If you're not a part of his flock and you are ready to make the decision to do that by believing in him and putting him on in baptism, we'd be glad to help you with that, and honored to lead you into a relationship with Christ. And it begins with obeying, and the first step is to believe and be baptized. If you're ready to do that this morning, uh, you can respond to the gospel by heading to the back of the auditorium. One of our shepherds will be there, and you can tell them of your wish, and we'll be honored to help you. If you have that need or any other need that we can pray for you in a public way, we're honored to do that as well. Whatever your need might be, if you have one of this congregation, please head to the back right now, and the rest of us can stand and sing.